Boutini. So, Mike. What's up, Sean? Little uh, two two drunken Jawas this evening. I uh, I'm sipping on that Evan Williams eggnog that I mentioned last week. Since it's the holidays, I think it's probably gonna milk this until it's gone. You know what? I looked in my fridge and it wasn't it wasn't the same um, eggnog. I actually, still have a bottle in there. I haven't opened it and I haven't looked at the date yet, but it's the uh, Pennsylvania Dutch. What in the world? Oh, I think I did see that. I, uh, yeah, that's some that you know what? I gotta give it to the Pennsylvania Dutch because those suckers are lit, son. <laughs> Tonight I'm sipping on this miraculous concoction of crown apple and root beer. Crown because <laughs> Because I had, see, I had some um, Coke Zero vanilla for the purpose of mixing it with Crown Apple. Because I've had Crown Apple with cream soda, which is very delightful. But it's very hard to find a sugar-free cream soda. So I, I figured the Coke Zero vanilla might, you know, match. But I never tried it. And now I'm out of Coke Zero vanilla because I'm a fiend. I was like, oh, I'm going to try a root beer. And it's actually very good. The child, <laughs> the child. That's right. So, folks, we uh, we this is episode two of Two Drunken Jawas. Who do you need? Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> I uh, so after some feedback, we're gonna try a different format. We were we're doing it originally as a commentary track, um, to you know be designed to listen to while watching the show but uh maybe an after show format might be a little bit more a little bit more um beneficial because without having to stop the show or lose yourself lose ourselves in the immersive universe that is star wars especially with the amount of mandalorian lore and you know now we're in episode two so you know we're seeing more of the the child um and for those of you that don't know or haven't um so haven't wait first, it up, it's uh, the child that, is the baby yoda just i just want to throw that out there let's <laughs> yeah the baby yoda spoilers folks this is this is an after show so you know don't cry to me because you haven't watched it and you listen to this and you're like eh, spoilers this show is it's spoilers like that's it there wasn't already a show called spoilers we could have named it spoilers so episode two really what i what i think i think i enjoyed the most about episode two is the first 15 minutes there's zero dialogue <laughs> except for him climbing the side of a sand crawl <laughs> i mean you know it's just I, I don't personally it's well done. Well, you know, it, it was well done, but personally I think they put, put spent way too much time on the Mando <laughs> trying to scale the side of the sand crawler and these freaking Jawas are really <laughs> for lack of better words, are literally outplaying him. Opening up these doors, throwing, you know, junk at him, running but their sand crawler on the side of rocks. 
he finally gets to the very tip top and he's you know king of the mountain and all, they all hit him with their their um uh, their stunt their, their stun rifles and then he falls all the way back down and then that's it <laughs> you feel like i feel like let me rephrase i feel like this shows how young this Mandalorian bounty hunter is and maybe still a little wet behind the ears and over anxious, you know, kind of like you see a episode two Anakin running in, you know, jumping out the car, you know, whatever. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I understand where you're going. Yep. He seemed in the first episode, he seemed very precise and he was impressive to watch. And in this episode, we, we kind of got a, uh, a hint of him. He's kind of clumsy, kind of maybe a little reckless. Yeah. You know, and now it's like, all right, well, it's it's almost like a lesson of, you know, there's there's more than one way to skin a cat. And don't judge a book by its cover, because he definitely, you know, the, the, like a projects Mandalorian badass. After we hang out with him for a couple episodes, we realize, well, you know, it. I mean, he's not indestructible. He definitely got beat up by some one Transdotions, two Jawas, and three a Mudhorn. I mean, <laughs> like legitimately, this this was this was such a challenging. This is a challenging experience for this cat, man. Like, it wasn't. You you feel like at the end of episode one, he's like, "All right, I got this baby." Ch- the child, um, yeah. you know, and now we're left contemplating what is he going to do with it? And the very first thing he has to do is keep other people from killing it. Right. Yeah. And he actually protects it. You know, it's new. Not only himself, but also he's got to worry about the child during the fight, you know, using his, uh, his controller on his arm, you know, moving the pot around and whatnot. And, while he's fighting, moving it still. Do you feel like this is this is going to sort of form a bond between him and the child? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you saw the way. Uh, so, are, are you gonna say? Are you wait, wait, wait? Are you gonna say the way he looked at him? That I mean, there, there's. So we already know <laughs> the, the child cares about. I just about want to man. point out. <laughs> I just. I was talking about the Mando looking at the. Oh, okay. So you okay? I know what um, you're about to say. <laughs> the ability of them to translate that body language through a helmet. With a helmet, like there's no, there's no facial expressions. There's no, you know, there's no eyes. It was just a, huh? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that makes sense. I mean, and you could just tell. Because whenever the child, you know, levitates the mud horn. We'll be right back after these messages. I'll try to pick up where I left off. Okay, ready? So, as you notice, because when he goes to levitate... The uh, mud horn to save the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian's face when he's holding that vibro knife, and he's just like, like and, and when I say his face, you're looking at his helmet, you know. And like we were just saying, the the, the way you able to project 
body language through uh through a helmet and you could you could just tell that the mandalorian is like what in the world you know completely shocked that the child is able to complete such a such a, a feat you know so so would you say that this is um you can accredit this ability to translate those emotions and feelings um, and thoughts through their body language. Is that a feat of acting or a feat of directing? Uh, <laughs> on a film, you know, you know, on a film uh, oh, like on the set itself. I don't know. I feel like. Would, do you think? Do you think maybe the actor? You know, it's the skill. Is it the skill of the actor or the skill of the director? You know, putting that that picture together on film. I feel like personally, it's it's got to be a mixture of both because obviously, the actor has to accept the feedback from the director. But the director, you know, whoever the you know, obviously we we know who it is. But he's been doing this for a while. He knows the vision. Exactly. Yeah, he knows how to do the means to achieve the end. And as long as they have a receptive actor, I'm sure they'll be able to figure it out because they definitely accomplished it, especially in this episode. Because what what you were asking about a bond, and what I was getting at was when he levitated, when the child levitated the mud horn and passed out because of his you know exertion of the force. You could tell when they you know the whole time they're re- they're fixing the ship, repairing the ship. Him and um, Khalil, that um, that uh, that Berg Herger's name is Khalil, by the way. Yeah. And when they're repairing it, you know, the the child's still sleeping the entire time. It doesn't wake up until they're leaving um, that planet's uh, system. And then you know, the Mando looks back at him still sleeping. You can just tell that he's worried about him because he's been sleeping for over a day now. And then, you know, I guess through the force, the child felt him, felt his, uh, his concern and woke up and kind of, you know, looked around and was like, hey, what's up? I'm good now. You know? Heard that. It's kind of, and it's kind of telling, like, you know, whenever, at the end when they're, you see the little, the child sit up and it's just, you know, it's, it kind of, you get those feels, man, like the old, uh, Han and Chewie feel, man. Like these these two cats are about to go on an adventure. Yes, exactly. I, I know. I, I get the exact same vibe as what you're saying. That are, this is going to create a bond. Obviously, one that we won't see in the movies. Like for uh, you know, seven, eight, and nine. We obviously haven't heard anything from them yet, but definitely something that hopefully will continue on because I'm going to be heartbroken if anything happens to the child. I will. I'll tell you the truth. I I already care about him. Like, not only do I care about him in the uh, in the show, but I care about his cute little memes that people are making about the coffee, coffee <laughs> and the. Uh... <laughs> oh man, the memes are so great. They are absolutely great. So, um, this episode was kind of short. Yeah, I, I, I know that's that's probably the biggest. The the biggest con to this episode was just it was just thirty what what thirty I can look right now um thir- no, no like, like thirty three three minutes long yeah like thirty two minutes and fifty five seconds so it so it was I find 
it was fulfilling. It, 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 it did what it was supposed to do. You know, it was fulfilling. It, and I have, you know, written down in my notes here a few things that I wouldn't mind talking about. And a few things I'd like to clear up from the previous episode. Because, uh, you know, I went back and, and looked at my books a little bit and kind of jogged my memory about the Mandalorian culture through uh, through um, through those certain books. All right, what you got? Well, for one, I, you remember um, last episode, I was trying to think of, you know, there were the grunts. And then there were the ones in the middle. And then I said the art troopers. And I couldn't figure out what the ones in the middle. But I'm an idiot because the ones in the middle are the commandos. You have the arcs which are the top dogs trained by Jango Fett himself. Okay. Those guys are like, they were built bigger whenever they were quote unquote grown. Okay. They, they were built. Okay. Pause. Okay. Pause. This was the first, you're going back to the first time we recorded and that hasn't been released yet. So we didn't talk about all of that Mandalorian stuff that you're getting into the different troopers that the different clone troopers that were trained by the Mandalorians, um, that Django Fett went got, we never got into that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah Cause if, if you folks remember, we were talking about technical difficulties during right. uh, right. opener and those technical difficulties were that we figured the first recording had somehow disappeared and we found it after the fact. But we went ahead with the second recording. It was a little bit more um, commentative-like and less what we're doing right here. But <clears throat> we found it, and it's just going to stay over there until, you know, an opportunity presents itself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but we can go into this now. Like, I'm about this life. Okay. So, as you remember, in the last episode, we talked about how Django Fett was Mandalore at some point before he went to Camino, donated some genetic material, and they built a clone army of him. He was the original. Yep. He was. And what and then okay, so what what I was getting to was it wasn't just Django that came, obviously. He, he can't train an entire army on his own. He can't come up with a regime on his own, whatnot. So he um, invited some of Mandalorians that he knew personally, that he knew were good, great warriors, that were great teachers, and they really cared about their Mandalorian culture. And he was like, hey, you guys, come on. I'll let, I'm going to train you know, the, the art troopers, which were the, supposedly the best of the best. And you guys train the commandos, and we'll you know, put ground troops out or whatever. Those are trained by, uh, I don't know if you guys remember in the Clone Wars, how some of the Jedi kind of oversaw some of that after they found out. And uh, they were mostly just, you know, watching computer screens, listening to headsets and whatnot, learning like that. But the, oh, wait, uh, wait, 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 hold up, pause. After, so Jango Fett hightailed it after the Jedi found out, right? Yeah, well, it, it, he wasn't even worried about it, it was just because you know he made the assassination attempt on on Padme in episode two yeah well no he he need, he he needed to distance himself, but after the Jedi took over, were the other Mandalorians still there training the clones, or did they bolt out too whenever Django was like f this I'm out 
Uh, so they didn't just like bolt, bolt. They they left Camino. Well, at least Cal Scarada and Waylon Vow did those two. I know, for, and like I said, there was, you know, there's lots of Mandalorians, and you can't you know mention all of them in the book. And if you, anybody's interested, those books are the Commando series by Karen Travis. If anybody wants to read those, really good, really really knowledgeable about the Mandalorian culture. That's where I'm getting most of my knowledge right now. But I'm about to drop some money on some audiobooks, man. Not going to lie, because I drive a whole, whole lot. Oh, dude, and, uh, I listen to podcasts mostly, but I think I could get into listening to some Star Wars novels. Well, it's good. And if you get a good quality one, um, they're all read by the same guy. I forgot what the, the guy's name is, but most of them are read by the same guy. And if, you know, if they ever have like a Yoda dialogue, or um, Obi Wan dialogue stuff like that. They actually change the readers' readers' voice. Oh, like, so they do like voice acting. Yeah, exactly. But but it's not That's the reader. Cool. It's an actual, or at least as close as you can get to the actual Yoda voice. Oh snap! That's cool. What I was about to get into was you said that you know he bolted. Yeah, but uh, Jango had a bad history with the Jedi. Even when he was a child, not not a child. I'm sorry. When he became um, a Mandalorian and was fighting against the Death Watch, um, wait, wait, wait. Jango Fett was a foundling. Yes, yes, he was. Oh, Him and his okay. his family. So okay, in the book, in that series, you'll actually find out uh, Arla Fett survived. But it, it, Jango, his whole life, he figured his everybody in his family had died. Actually, Arla Fett was kidnapped by the Death Watch and tortured and tormented to the fact where she was mentally, uh, pretty much mentally disabled. And they, um, it was, I don't remember if it was, it obviously it wasn't Palpatine himself, but somebody found her and Palpatine knew who it was and was like, lock her up. She could mean something one day. And the n- night of or the day before or something, there was a Jedi who actually left the order and became Mandalorian. He was walking through this mental ward because he needed to get a scientist out of there. And he felt Arla Fett's presence. He didn't know who she was, but he felt something in the force was like, Hey, you need to get this chick out of here. And that's what he did. He got her out and he, he took her back to Cal Scarada over on Mandalore. And Scarada's like, Holy smokes. This is Arla Fett. Um, yeah, we just hit the gold mine. Everybody thought she was dead, but she's alive. We can try nursing her back to health and whatnot. Because she was like real violent and all medicated up and stuff. Like a wild animal, feral. Oh, wow. Yeah. The was... result of torture, no yeah. less. And being medicated for years after being after the Death Watch was destroyed and, and whatnot. But, so yeah. So, Jango Fett was a foundling. Um, I found my Mandalorians. Uh... The, it, it, his house was attacked by the Death Watch, but some Mandalorians came and uh, like were fighting the Death Watch, and Death Watch took his family as hostage, killed them. Thought he killed Arla. Django led them away from a field in like a uh, a water line, agricultural water line, and that's how they survived. That because they burned the field to try to to kill the the good Mandalorians, and uh, that. That guy adopted. I forgot. I, I know I'm kind of throwing out some vague details, but the the gentleman that was running that raid from the Mandalorians uh, kind of adopted Django. And actually, when Django and the Death Watch fought later, uh, 
somehow it was like the the mayor or some high political position holding person convinced the Jedi that the Mandalorians were killing innocent people. Uh, you know, they didn't mention the Death Watch. So the Jedi showed up and the Jedi and the Mandalorians actually fought. So, yeah, you could say that Jango has a history with the Jedi and doesn't like him. Probably why whenever Obi-Wan knocked on his door, even though he had just tried killing a senator, he still was pretty wary about Obi-Wan talking to him or whatnot. Well, heard that. I mean, I, I, you would you would have to think he, he expected that Obi-Wan was there now because... Now, do you think Jango Fett knew... Yeah, yeah, he knew that Sifo Diaz ordered the uh, the clone army, right? He met Sifo. Uh, I don't know if he met Sifo Diaz personally, to tell you the truth. And the way that all went down. <sighs> so, folks, a little bit of your feedback after this episode. I can ramble on and link a whole bunch of stuff together. So, if you don't like the way it's going down, you know, let us know or whatever. But you know, he mentioned Sifo Diaz. So, actually. Um, <laughs> It's yeah. his fault. It's his fault. I'm about to go on a tangent. And yep. It's his fault. And I'm gonna apologize about <laughs> my uh my little daughter in the background. She's a uh, you know she's wide awake and breathing. Hey, she's telling us all about it. She's the expert. You yeah, exactly, exactly. She's one with the force. But so uh, <laughs> Jedi Master Safadius was Qui Gon Jinn's. Uh, no, sorry, Count Dooku. Was Qui Gon Jinn's mask? I, that's I don't remember, and I'm a lot of people are probably gonna flame me about that, but I don't remember which one's which. But at the deal, at the time, whenever this deal was made, Count Dooku was there. Darth Plagueis was in that same room, as because uh, he's a a, a a immune, right? He's you know in charge of a banking clan. They actually borrowed money for him to fund this project, and he was Darth, Darth Plagueis Wait, the Wise. Who? Plagueis. Okay, yes. He was in that room when this decision was made. And Qui-Gon Jim was there. Count Dooku was there. He, uh, Dooku was actually not part of the Order anymore. He had just recently left. So, and, and they were talking to Kaminoans, and they were like, and it was Darth Plagueis that kind of convinced Master sifo to create the army. He was like, you know, a rough summary, but something like, well, what what would you do if there was a force that reckoned with the Republic? And Safadius was like, oh, never. It can never happen, blah, blah, blah. You know, and the Jedi are there to protect it. And he's like, yeah, you, the Jedi protect peace, enforce the peace, but they're not warriors, per se, you know? And he pretty much convinced Safadius that, well, there's an attack coming. Somebody's going to fight for power sooner or later, so... It'd rather be safe than sorry, and pretty much put in the order. And of course, was killed soon after and whatnot, and it was all buried deep because because. And I know I know you're about to ask something, but I just want to throw this in there because Darth Plagueis, this this he this was his plan that the clone army was going to overthrow the Republic. This was the plan, the original plan, even when this was first thought of. They put in there, there's a certain orders, and you know what's Order 66, it's the 66th order. But there's, it's not just because it's Order 66, ooh, it, no, there are orders that these clone troopers are programmed to follow, one through a hundred and something. There are, like, articles that whenever something happens, whenever something happens, that they, those orders are followed. Like, I think Order 67 
was if the chancellor is ever is uh, as posing a threat to the republic or whatnot, then the, the chancellor will be moved from office by force, you know, and stuff like that. So there was, I mean, it, it, he had to make it look legit, you know, when he wrote those. Couldn't just say, well, the Order 66 is uh, we kill all the Jedi at the try we're throwing the, the government. And uh, yeah, that's it. No, there were, that's why it's Order 66. So, according to the internet, because you know the internet's always right. Abraham Lincoln said right? so, yep. So, um, it says Sifo Diaz had the power of foresight and he saw the impending war and then ordered the. Uh, Saw a he foresaw a coming war that would ravage the galaxy. He believed that the Galactic Republic would require an army if it were to prevail. Yet the Jedi Council, they wouldn't bow it. Right, and dark. So that's how he was removed from the Council. Nevertheless, he pursued his ideas in secret and got with the Kaminoans. Kami- yeah, and uh. Like, yo, what's up? Yeah. Me up. But you know, where did he get the funding for that? You know, he got it from Darth Plagueis the Wise. He, he, um, like I said, he was there and he, you know, he, he made that deal happen with his, with his dough because he was the head of the, the banking clan. Oh, yeah, he's exactly. A banker. He's the head of the banking oh, yeah. clan. He, when he, not just any banker, he was the banker. He was the head. He he was in charge of the most money in the galaxy. If you needed a loan from the banking clan, you went through his company. We were looking at the different levels of the clone yes. troopers. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. And like I said, it's a tangent. And I, I'm I'm sorry, folks, but I am big on getting distracted on all the side stuff for Star Wars. So there were the grunts, the bottom, the low life, the the you know the bucket heads nobody really knew these guys right these are the guys that, that did you know all the, the the dirty work that when they died they died you know nobody cared then they had the commandos which were like an insertion team i guess you could say they're the ones that wore um i think they had a they had a black they had black armor if they so chose to they had they got suited up for the environment they like reconnaissance men i guess you could say um, it's the best uh, resemblance to them. They, you know, they went in for like target extraction or quick, um, uh, quick uh, target takedown stuff like that. In and out. Your, your navy. Your navy. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess you could say that. I, I was, I was in the Marine Corps for five years, folks. So it's, uh, uh, you know, personal to me. But, um, and then there were the art troopers, which they were, um. Above that, trained by Jango Fett himself. Those are the guys that like went in, guns blazing, like you know, obliterated everything. Blah blah blah. Those, those were the guys. And in those three books, there was actually the first set of clones. They were called the Null clones. N U L L. The Null clones. And they were it was, the Caminos were trying to get the uh, the genetics right, the attitudes right, the the willful obedience to all orders, no questions asked kind of thing. Well, in this batch of clones, they got all that except for the obedience part. These guys, they, they had a lot of free will, more free will than the Chameleons wanted them to have. And they were actually, it was right after Sergeant Kyle Scott arrived on Camino. 
and he was you know walking through the halls and he noticed that one of the comedians was about to kill these no clones there was like four or five of them all brothers all born in, you know in the same you know same time tanks next to each other whatever it was that makes them you know really close to each other but they uh they were the Null clones, and those were the first clones that Kyle Scarado came in contact with. And he, he almost, he was, you know, arguing with the um, Kaminoan and the little kid, you know, the little, the little Null clone took the blaster from Kaminoan and was about to kill the Kaminoan. And Kyle Scarado was like, "Now look, son, you don't want to do that, uh, you know, because you'll be." in a lot of trouble pretty much that they're going to kill you. And he's like, I don't care. They kill me. That's fine. But I don't want her to kill my other, my, you know, my buddies, my, my brothers per se. So those are the null clones. And Costco actually convinced the comedians to live, let them live. And they were like, what you see in the movies, like the rogue, the rogue, um, warriors that, you know, one was like really good at hacking and one was, always on the move from planet to planet, finding intel, you know, like literally the, the freelancers, you know, the mercenaries of the Republic Army, but still were part of the Republic Army. Those were the first, the first kids that um, Kyle Scarada adopted as his own and became true Mandalorians. No, no, they weren't. And like, like, like what I was telling you, like Jango Fett, or at least in the books, they didn't make it seem like Jango Fett had a personal relationship with his art troopers. He just trained them how to be badasses and to do what they're told, and that was it. But the commandos, there were more commandos, right? And they had, they were each trained by different Mandalorians, you know. And there's I mentioned these two a lot because these are the most famous ones in the books, but Kyle Scarada, Sergeant Kyle Scarada, and Waylon Val, they're both both Mandalorians. And the way Kyle Scarada taught his commandos and the way Waylon Val taught their commandos were both very different. They're both, you know, very Mando, Mandoed, but they're both, they, they just, they were taught differently. So, but... Kyle Scarada was uh, really close to a few of his commandos, and he actually ended up uh, adopting them. And he, he had, he ended up adopting like five or six different um, clone troopers, and they they you know got the name that before they were just a, a number, and now they actually had a name. So that meant a lot to them too. That was, I wanted to bring it up in the past episode that apparently the, these folks had never heard before. So <laughs> I was referencing to something they haven't heard. So that's what I was kind of giving them back. I wanted to clear that up, but it's something that did need to, didn't need to be cleared up. But it's good for Mandalorian culture to learn about foundlings, adoptions, uh, the way, how so many clone troopers were taught the Mandalorian way and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, now we're post-Empire and now we're, really focused on only one Mandalorian who got outsmarted by Jawas, messed up by a rhino. <sighs> you know.
with the help of the child, of course. Let, I just, and it's not the first time that it's not the first time the child has tried helping him. You know, during the Mudhorn attack, you remember whenever he, right after he got jumped by the Transdotians in that little trench in the very beginning, he got sliced up on the arm, and little child, you know, waddling over from the pod, and he can see those three little fingers extend up like he's about to do something, and the Mandorian's like, dude, what are you doing? Puts him back in the pod. (laughs) What are you you doing? (laughs) You little weirdo. (laughs) So, do you think, now, we, t- we talked about this last episode. The child is 50 years old. Now, is the child 50 years old? Or is, was the child frozen for 50 years? Or, you know, what, what does that mean, 50 years old? Was it an egg that hatched after 50 years? You know? Um, but seeing this, you know, the, the kid knows... How to wield yes, the force. I was just about to say, he is obviously conscious of his abilities. Now, he may not know the extent of him because he knocked himself out levitating that mud horn, but he knows what he's doing and he was going to heal. I, I personally, I can't tell you for sure because it didn't happen, but I'm almost certain that he was going to try to use the force to heal Mandalorian's wounds. I, believe know, I, that. I mean, that's the most reasonable explanation of why they included that into the, the show. And then, of course, it, when he realizes, I don't know if he acted on emotion or if he was just waiting for it to get to a point where he had to intervene, like trying to protect his power or whatever. But he got to the point where it was just a Mandalorian, a vibro knife, and a really upset Mudhorn. And uh, he thought the Mandalorian wasn't going to win that fight. <laughs> so so he uh, stopped that Mudhorn from charging at him. And then, you know, the Mandalorian was able to precisely insert that viper knife into a spot on that mud horn to kill it almost instantly so uh yeah and then i was like because you know i'm a hunter and i and i believe in i believe in taking ethical shots and so the way the mud horn acted once the knife was in him was something you know akin to an ethical shot on an elk I've seen people shoot an elk with a bow and arrow and the elk is dead within 15 seconds. And literally like there's, there's it's, it's so fast that the elk doesn't even know what happened. Right. Yeah. You know, and it seemed like, and so I was looking at whenever the, the mudhorn fell, I was looking at it thinking, okay, so that was a heart shot or something close to the heart shot. The, the, the thing had to bled out yeah, that fast. Stupid it fast. Happened. Yeah. And, you know, and I was like, I was looking at the placement of the knife and I'm like, man, I don't know. But then again, I don't know the anatomy of it. Yeah, mudhorn. right. I mean, no, nobody knows. The, I don't think anybody right now knows the anatomy of a mudhorn. But... Yeah, like you said, an ethical like ethical shot, you know, well placed, one one good thrust with a vibro, with a vibro knife. To me, it seems like a vibro knife because of the way it it reflects the sunlight and stuff like that. When he hits it just right, like a vibro knife is like a an agitated blade, like it's super, it's it's vibrating so fast that it you know it cuts better than your standard blade, but of course not as good as like a lightsaber or a flame sword or something like that. Right. 
Or Darksaber. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to go to that extreme, yeah, Darksaber. <laughs> so I want to clear something up. Number one, I was correct in the original version of Star Wars. Um, Han was the only one that shot. Yeah, I said that. Yeah, I no, did. No, you didn't. You were like, no, Greedo no, shot No, I back. said that they, Han shot they first. went back and... Han shot first, but Han didn't shoot first. Han was the only one that shot. And then they went back and added... Exactly, yeah. Shooting. That's what I said. I'm going to roll that tape, buddy. I'm going to roll, roll that I, tape. I said those exact words. I said, Han Solo was the only one that shot. And you know what? I might have been going back. I might be going back to the first episode that we didn't release. Maybe too. so. Anyways, um, that's about it. <laughs> I didn't look into the, I didn't look into the Darth Maul gimmick. Oh, I did. So, no, he was not did Mandalore. He was not. He okay. was in charge of, um, like the reborn Death Watch kind of thing. Oh, yeah. okay. Like it, it was something along those lines. I don't remember the exact specifics of it, but. He, you know, he convinced a group of Mandalorians of, of uh, radical Mandalorians. It's like, hey, you know, the Death Watch thing was pretty cool. Should totally do it again. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. And that's pretty much what it what it was. Did um, did you finish Rebels? No, I, I'm almost done with season two. Uh, for you know, okay. I I don't know if I said this in the last episode, but in the I know for sure in the unreleased one, it was. I didn't have any way of watching it. I didn't want to just buy just Rebels, but now that Disney Plus is out, I plan on catching up with Rebels and Resistance. But I'm almost done with season two. I'm in season two of the Clone Wars now. Oh, that's right. You're rewatching everything, huh? Yeah, and it's just now gonna. It's it's getting to the point where they're fixing a they're fixing to blame Ahsoka for some ish, and she's gonna leave the order. And this is one of my favorite storylines because it shows. It shows that the Jedi weren't necessarily the good guys at this point. And I firmly believe that Anakin did bring balance back to the Force because at the end of Episode 3, there were two Jedi and two Sith. Well, there was only one Jedi. No, there was two. Yoda was still alive. It was Yoda and Obi-Wan. you're right. God dog it. You got me. Son of a... God, Yoda exiled himself to dig at Dagobah. Bro, was out there. Anakin brought balance to the Force, but balance isn't always nice. Right. At the same time, though, when that balance was tipped in the beginning of the prequels, you know, in in episodes one and two, you hear the Jedi talking about how they're becoming weaker. Yeah. And they can't be a police force anymore, you know? And uh, that's something that I feel was overlooked is that, you know, they, they the prophecy chosen when all this, you know, bring balance to the force or whatever. They always thought of it like as would defeat the Sith finally, you know, and there would be no more dark side, blocka, blocka, blocka. But they're just one faction of force users and different force users use the force in different ways right it's not necessarily good and evil right yeah 
and and oh, I can I can vouch for that because uh, I've mentioned before the Gray Paladins and it, the the group that went with Jen Alta. So they really didn't have um, like a true name. They just called it the, the you know the group led by Jen Altus. But the 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 group led, the group that was led by Jen Altus, he believed in love and affection, attraction, showing emotions, blah blah blah, in the force. And then you had the gray, gray paladins, which they their biggest thing was they didn't believe in just lightsabers. Now you could obviously use a lightsaber, but they believed in um, expressing your use. They they were more of warriors. They're expressing your use of the force through weapons, through a weapon that you chose, like their um, and uh, Coruscant knights. Um, there's a female uh, Twi'lek. Who is force, you know, strong with the force, but she doesn't use lightsaber. She uses dual blasters, and her name's Laroth, by the way. And uh, that's how she uses the force. She like uses the blasters, and she uses very. She like shoots other blaster bolts out of the the air and stuff. You know what I mean? Like crazy stuff like that. She's attuned with her. That's just the weapon she chose. All right, that's fair. Gray paladins and the Jin Altus. Group, just a couple of uh, factions that uh, use the force in their own way. Now, none of them nearly as radical as the Sith, obviously, but I mean they were different from the Jedi. So, no, I'm not gonna go there. Never mind. Never mind. No, no, no. This is gonna be a nope. Not even nope. All right. Um. Pussy. So, where do you think we're gonna go next? When the Mandalorian. Um, well, I don't know. Is he going to go? I think he's going to go back to the planet with the um, Bounty Guild and his clan on it. I think that that's where I you think. think they're on the same. You think they're on the same planet? I think so. Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, it didn't show him getting in a ship and leaving, and but I I think they are. I think it is, and I mean, I, I'm not certain. I'm just assuming like could be totally wrong, but uh, I do think they were on the same plane just because it didn't show a cutscene and flying, get ready, preparing for a trip. He just walked out of the bounty guild and walked into the the clan hideout, clan place, clan house. I don't know, but I think he I think he's gonna go back to his. He's gonna ask some. He's gonna ask somebody. He's gonna think about it on the way wherever he's going. He's gonna think about what he's gonna do. And then he's going to be like, man, you know, to himself, man, I should really seek counsel on someone a lot wiser than me. And I don't know who he's going to talk to, but, or if he even does, I just, that's what I would do. I'd be like, man, what am I supposed to do? Because I like this little guy or girl, whatever sex it is. But I, I, I mean, I, that's what I would think he would, unless he just totally doesn't. And totally knows what he's going to do. I, I think he would seek counsel and someone more wise than him. Because we've seen in this episode that he's not, like you said, he's still green behind the ears. Wet behind the ears. <laughs> um, I think, I think he's going to go to the blacksmith first and be like, yo, look what this is. Look what I got. <laughs> what? Yo, look at this, though. I think he's might. Like, he might even contact the doctor. Maybe that's a good that's a good theory, and be like, "Hey, I got your thing. I got your your target, but I don't want to tell the old guy because he doesn't care if it dies or not." So, 
Yeah. You think he would, man, I don't know. I don't, I haven't seen that much emotion out of him, you know, except for when he mentioned he was a foundling once. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he maybe he, he could be going right back oh. to the. He could be going right back to that old guy, and he's going to give the child right over to him. It doesn't even give a damn. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in episode three, but after we're done with this, I'm going to find out. What do you think about? Oh, this is my new favorite theory. I like theories. All right, now, now, granted, at this point in time, we haven't seen episode three either. One of us, no, right? So. Do you think this child brings him into the mindset of this is a foundling, not a target? (sighs) Dude, that would be sick. Could you imagine a Mandalorian Yoda? Mind blow. Oh, jeez, Louise. If that comes, if that comes a route, I'm heard it here first, folks. <laughs> heard it here first. Mike said it. Mike said it, and Sean approves. I, 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 I actually, that's something I would look forward to. That is something that I would like to happen. That I mean, I don't know if, how plausible it is, but that right there, to me, I'm like, well, that would be freaking awesome, and I want to happen. I want to see a freaking, uh, you know, like a 200-year-old, 300-year-old, you know, middle-aged Yoda being whatever species he is with freaking two bandoliers across his chest. wearing that could go. Wearing a mandal- like a mini Mandalorian helmet in his little... Yeah, but that could go so wrong, man. That could go so wrong. What do you mean? Well, think about it. I'm thinking about it right now. Right? Okay. Just because he's a force user doesn't mean that he leans towards any side of the force that may influence his mindset. Right. So being raised as a Mandalorian, you think that could tip that into the mindset of, say, like a dark side user? No. And the next thing you know, he's Mandalore for 200 years. I don't I don't think. From what I've read about Mandalorians, they're good people. You know, they care. They they care about especially themselves. Not not themselves as a person, but themselves as a race. Even though they're not all the same race, but like as Mandalorians as a whole. You know what I mean? They remind me of Vikings. Yeah, I mean, you know, similar in that aspect. They each they they care about each other. They they fight amongst one another, but when it comes down to it, they're almighty leader, the Mandalore. If he summons them, they will come. You know stuff like that, and I—they're not like all bad. Some of them might um, be a little bit more ruthless or more ambitious than others, but I never said they were bad. No, no, no. I never said they were bad, but they're aggressive. They are. They uh, some of them are. I mean, I'm not gonna say every Mandalorian. I'm gonna but use, generally, use the word again. anytime you see Mandalorians, they're pretty aggressive. I mean. Like, I understand, like, some of the diplomatic ones we've seen in the Clone Wars, you know, not aggressive, but they're the people they were around, the Mandalorians, you know what I'm saying? I, okay, I, I, you know, I remember in the Clone Wars when they go, 
and Obi Wan. You know what I'm saying? To, uh, the- not that, not necessarily that they're they're bad, and that they're not aggressive and fighting for something that should be fought for. I'm just saying that that sort of lifestyle could potentially lead a, uh, you know, a naive young force user into a murky a murky area where the dark side could take a hold right if you view the force in a light side dark side spectrum or it could be gray you could just stick in the middle you know it could be purple or pink or yellow i don't know about all those whatever things. color <laughs> whatever color it wants to be you know what i'm saying but it doesn't necessarily have to be bad no right i understand what you're saying at the same time, though, it doesn't necessarily have to be good. Right. Because, you know, the Yoda that we know, it was, you know, the embodiment of the Jedi. You know, always, or so it seemed always perfect and whatnot. And, you know, it having someone Why? of his power. Wise and powerful. They were blinded by their own power. No, not by their own power. They were blinded by Absolutely. the Sith. No, oh. no, the Jedi were blinded by their own power. No. Had they not no, no had they not been blinded by their own power and just been vigilant, they would have noticed it. That plan instead, that night. instead they were no longer vigilant. They were they were complacent. Well, let me tell you that plan order sixty six. That happened, That the planning of that night happened hundreds of years before that with Darth Bane. Darth Bane. That, dude, that further proves my point. I, it took a hundred years to pull it off. I don't think it was, I don't, maybe, maybe they were blinded by their own power. What I was getting at is that, that they, they felt something. They were like, man, the dark side is getting stronger, but we don't know why, but that's because it was all around them. The intentions of, you know, Senator Palpatine and having the ability that all these clones, that, you know, they, the force was telling them that something bad was about to happen. And then it was related to the dark side, but they couldn't put their finger on it. You know, and the, they noticed that the Clone Wars and everything, just everything was, was piling onto each other. And it, it, that's what they thought it was. But it it wasn't. It was that it was because a all powerful Sith Lord was literally at the head of everything that they were, you know, following. Oh yeah, Palpatine controlled the Jedi. He really did, especially in the, in a lot of the books I've read. He he did it very well too. But you know what? How do you like these theories that, that Palpatine's back in the new movie? I like I, I like him. I mean, I don't. I really don't. <laughs> no, nope. he, he died in because, episode six. <laughs> well, no, not even that. But like the way to get there, it's so out. You know, out there he possessed somebody in jump spirits Voldemort you, style. No, you laugh. That's how Darth Bane. Darth Bane lived past his time. He. It's called essence transfer, and again, folks. Nobody, nobody. But that's that's my point. You know this, and people that are fans of the books know this. But that is not information that is known by the general public to be marketable. 
I mean, maybe they explained it in in the movie. I, I don't know, but it, I, it, Darth Bane, it, you know, you know. I mean, they don't even have to explain it, though. They really don't. Look at what. Uh, I mean, look at Yoda's species. Look at what Yoda's species is. Nobody knows. Look at Yoda's species. Look at look at Kylo Ren cutting, you know, uh, oh boy, in half without him knowing, and he's supposed to be this all powerful Sith Lord. You know what I'm saying? The supreme ruler. Snoke. Yeah. Snoke. <laughs> Supreme Ruler Snoke. So, you know. I can feel it. Just... He's about to strike down his enemy. <laughs> Boy, it's slice in half. I need to do a super cut of that whole sequence. And whenever he says that and he cuts them, do the drum roll from uh, In the Air Tonight. Do 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 do. I can feel it, and like play that through the little fight scene. That'd be hilarious. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm gonna do it. It's gonna be great. All right. So I think that's. Uh, I don't know where we're at. I don't know how much we're recorded, but I feel like we're at a good stopping point, sir. Hmm. Let me see if I got any notes here that I want to. Then I want to elaborate on. Um, New theme song, folks. No, I mean, the only thing that I would, that I would even, that dude's rifle. Oh, yeah. His rifle. Literally right. vaporizes flesh, leaves the cloth, and we saw I've that. Come, I've come to the conclusion that he is some sort. It is some sort of um, concentrated microwave emitter that uh, that you built just vaporizes up. all the moisture, you know, in the beans. He got it from what's his face and fallout from the workbench. We built that. Literally, the microwave emitter. emitter. No, I'm joking. But yeah, he, you know, he he's coming up on his ship <laughs> or what's left of it anyway, <laughs> and he sees those Jawas down there working hard. He rips off his, you know, rips off his uh, mon- monoscope, or whatever it is, off his rifle. Looks through, sees these Jawas, puts it back on the rifle, charges that thing up, <laughs> and just starts vaporizing. You can tell you can. This is another example of the. Uh, the body language through a helmet. You could tell he's pissed. Yeah. You could just tell that he is pissed. He's just sitting there. He's like, you know, boy's hot. Your boy is hot, son. Yeah. He, what are you doing? Just started vaporizing those little guys, our brethren, vaporizing her. brethren. <laughs> no, he, he, and then of course that brings it full swing back to the climbing up of the side of the sand crawler for 10 minutes and then getting, Getting stunned back down and heading back to Khalil's place, and I, I don't know. I just like I said that 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 scene with him climbing up the sand crawler it was it was cool to watch. I just feel like they worked it up, and then when he gets to the very top, he just you know they just hit him with that 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 stunning meter, and he just kind of falls all the way back down. And the child's looking at him like, "I told you not to do it." <laughs> Pretty, he's looking at him like, "I told you so." <laughs> so uh 
what's next? I don't. I really don't have a whole lot of anything left. We're going to get out of here and watch episode three because we're behind now and we're going to try and get caught up in one day. I think doing it this way is a little bit better because we don't necessarily have to be like right on top of it. So it'll be all right. Yeah. I like it. I like where we're at. And, uh, you know, feedback is great. Let's refine this thing. Um, we're working on getting in, uh, into other platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, all those gimmicks. It's a work in progress. Yeah, and but we'll get there. J- just to show you guys, I mean, somebody gave us feedback about our format, and we literally changed up the entire format this episode. So if you guys liked it better, let us know. If you guys thought it was worse, please let us know. If you guys have any more ideas, let us know. If you guys want to hear about a certain topic, or um, if you want, you know, the, the more more precise information on what I've what I or Mike have, have spoken about, then please, please let us know. Hey, man, how can people let us know? Well, we actually have a Facebook page that Mike and I have created. It's called, you guessed it, Two Drunken Jawas. And I literally found the best picture in the whole internet for our, for our Facebook page. Um, profile pic it is literally a group of jawas doing a keg stand on an on a uh decommissioned r2 unit with the top chopped off so they turned an <laughs> r2 unit into a keg and it's there they're... so now <laughs> i want to fabricate a keg holder in the shape of an r2 unit it's you could literally all you have to do is put legs on it fill it with ice just fill it with you know, just to where you could put a keg in and out of it. Oh yeah, I mean that's pretty much what they did. I mean, folks, look it up. You don't even. I would like you to like it, and I, I would I would like you to follow it because you know we we post our episodes on there and whatnot. But just for the picture, to see the picture. <laughs> you forget guys. the content. Just go, <laughs> like forget everything. You know we don't we don't matter. You made it this far, so you know your reward is a picture on our Facebook page. Yeah, but it's it's at it's two drunken Jawas, and then if uh if you want to find it easier, you just at two drunken Jawas, and that's T W O D R U N K E N J A W A S two drunken Jawas, no spaces at signed. It's it's worth looking into, and we you know we post a few things on there. Uh, but that is probably what. Well, the only way right now if you really want to give us good feedback so after this episode drops you're going to post some links to some uh additional reading that people may be able to go look into if they want to read more into the uh mandalorian culture that we talked about absolutely like like i said uh the i'll I'll put them in there i'll put the first book in there and it's part of a series but uh it's you know it's the Command like a thing is called the Commandos novel or something like or the Commando series with it's it's Karen Travis and I think there's four four or five books in it but I'll post the first one in there you and you guys please read that if you guys want to learn about the Mandalorian culture that is probably one of the best ways because it's told from the viewpoint of clone trooper not not it's not first person but it's it you know very little 
mainstream Jedi are in it, and it's mostly clone troopers and Mandalorians, Kyle Skrata, Waylon Val, the clone troopers. It, it's I'm, it's really good. It, it's I'm, it is she did a very good job in those books. I wish she would have wrote that last one, but apparently funding and stuff like that ran out, and they said they weren't going to pay her as much as she wanted if she wrote that last one. She so she didn't write it. So. Boo. Yeah, right? I was so upset. Boo those people. Because that last book she wrote, of course she left it on one of the biggest cliffhangers. Like the Oh, that's the worst. Yeah, it was it it wasn't even like cuz she was re- totally expecting to write that last book. And uh nope. So if anybody out there is listening to this or a writer cuz she specifically said in her blog that she left it to where anybody could finish it. Anybody wants to All write right. a book and you know it gets published or whatever, you think you can do a good job as her, then take a swing at it because I'd like to see that story finished. I'd like to learn how to write. I got so many stories. <laughs> well, I like podcasting because I could just I could just talk. You know, most of the time I'm talking out of my rear end, but it works. Better than typing so, out uh, of it. Ha! <laughs> heard that. So that's it uh, for episode two. And uh, you know, I don't have I don't have a sign off gimmick yet. Yeah, we're still working on the sign off, folks. So we need, bear with we need us. a gimmick. We need a gimmick. Well, All right, two drunken Jawas. We're gonna uh, drink ourselves out of here, I guess. Yeah. Bye, Craig. <laughs>